Most of us plan to bug in until we can't. What happens if we have to say, oh crap, we have to bug out? Stick around. We're going to talk about that. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 203. 203. Today is April the 14th of 2022, and we are certainly glad that you have joined us here on Practical Prepping Podcast. Now, Krista's not available right now, and so we're going to go ahead and record an episode, but she will be back with us tomorrow, and we're certainly looking forward to that. Now, our sponsors for today's episode Jim Curtis Knives. Now, don't forget the giveaway that we're doing. We're giving away three sets of autographed books. We'll even pay the postage. But the way that you enter that is you go to Jim Curtis Knives Facebook page, find the knife that has the five-digit code written on a piece of cardstock, and email that to us, and you are entered. You're certainly welcome to add comments to that. And you can enter all the way up until April the 24th. This will end on April the 24th. And then we will do a random drawing. And each one has the same chance of winning. And we hope it's you. Our second sponsor is ProLine Digital Group. ProLine Digital Group builds websites and apps for businesses, churches, schools, even for individuals if you have something you would like to do. One of the things that most excites me about ProLine Digital Group is that they have a digital lead generation program. Small businesses depend on leads and referrals, and digital lead generation provides you with people who are looking for what you do or what you sell. And it's ideal for landscapers, mechanics, painters, roofers, pool companies, whatever it is you do, if you sell to or service the public and you have a small business, you really need to be getting in touch with ProLine Digital Group and check it out. It might just be right for you. Let's get into our episode. Now, I titled it, Oh Crap, We Have to Bug Out. See, the best plan is to bug in until you can't. But there are some that plan to bug out if the Schumer hits the fan, and you fall into one of two categories. You either plan ahead to bug out to a place of safety, or you choose to or are forced to bug out with no place to go. Now let's look at plan A first. If you plan to bug out more than an evacuation, you have to prepare well and well ahead of time. And there's some things that you need to do. You need to have a plan. See, under a bridge is not a good plan. Living under a bridge is not a good plan for a prepper. You need something like a cabin, a farm, a vacation home, someplace hunting club. And this area, this location, needs to be pre-stocked with water, food, and supplies. You need to already have gear in place for water purification, for fire making, for tools, seeds, trapping gear 
hunting gear, fishing gear. You need to have some ammo stocked, and you need to have multiple ways to start a fire. I like lighters, so we store a lot of lighters. We also carry matches. We also carry ferro rods. They're a very, very good way to start a fire if nothing else works. And then you also can have a magnifying glass. Now that does take a sunny day, but you can get a fire started with a magnifying glass. So you've got to have a place to go. And you've got to have a plan. You need to plan ahead when to leave. This is my red line. When it gets to this situation, we're bugging out. Now that could be something like a flood. It could be a fire. Now those are temporary, more of an evacuation. But you need to have a plan and you need to plan ahead when to leave. One of the ways to do that is to stay informed. Now we subscribe to Forward Observer. And they are a national and international intelligence briefing. And these guys are good. They've given me the heads up on some things that didn't hit the news for several weeks after. Now, if you have an EMP or a CME, we probably need to leave immediately. And if it's a total collapse of society, we already need to be packed up and moving as quickly as we possibly can. Same thing with a nuclear war. We need to bug out as soon as possible if our plan is to bug out. Now, if you're planning to bug out, or even if you're not for that matter, you need to have as much packed as possible. Many of us store our preps in totes or tubs or boxes. And one of the things I like to use, it looks kind of funny, but I like to use them, and that is cat litter pails. They're about three and a half gallon, maybe a little bit more. And our boys go through some cat litter. So we have a number of those. I think there's about eight empty ones sitting on the patio right now, ready for me to take. And I'll clean them out. And if I put foodstuffs in it, I will line it with a plastic bag. And they're totally safe. Now, I don't pour bulk foods directly into it. I put them in something else. They're either vacuum sealed, and in some cases, they're in the original packaging as it comes from the store. But if you're placed in a situation where you're going to have to bug out or might have to bug out, then you need a plan for having as much packed as possible and get ready to pack it up. And then when you leave, you need a riding buddy. And that riding buddy provides navigation, provides security, and is an extra set of eyes. Now, during this, you need to protect your firearms during transportation. You can't just throw them all on top of each other. Now, you can put a blanket and you can lay one down, fold it over, and keep something between those. A moving blanket works well for that. And just if you don't have cases for all of them, you just need to protect those in some way. But you also need to have some traveling weapons. Now, these are the holstered handgun and extra ammo that's on your body and a long gun of some sort. That could be a rifle. That could be a shotgun. But you need to have those weapons available while you are traveling and your other weapons have been packed up for transport. So you need to have a place to go, and you need to have a plan, 
And when you leave, you need to carry as much of your preps from home as you possibly can. You can fill up the bed of the truck. You can haul a trailer. You can load up your trunk. You can load up your back seat. Pack it in and make it ride low. Just get as much in there as you possibly can carry. Don't leave any more food behind than you have to. Don't leave any more gear behind than you absolutely have to. Fourth thing is to hide some food, seed, and ammo caches ahead of time. Now, this does require some planning and some work beforehand, but if you have that hunting cabin, you have that fishing cabin, not a bad idea to go ahead and make some caches and put on your property, or even if it's on something, if you adjoin a national forest or a state park, You can go just inside that, but remember, you need to be able to find those when you need to. And hiding that food and seed and ammo caches ahead of time, that could really, really make the difference down the road. You also need to build a library of printed books, and particularly how-to books. Now, Krista's father was quite the gardener, and in the shelves in there there are quite a few books on gardening now we've done some container garden but i've never done any major gardening on my own my dad and my grandmother when i was a teenager they planted a very large garden but my grandmother was pretty much the brains behind that i mean she was she was born in the late 1800s so she really knew what she was doing with gardening because she'd done it all of her life But I'm having to go to those how-to books to learn some of the things about gardening that I need to know. See, up until the last few years, I've been capable of killing a silk plant. I mean, you talk about a brown thumb, I've had it. And giving me some type of a potted plant, you might as well tell it bye when you leave because it's not going to make it very long or it wouldn't. I'm learning a little bit more about that now. But you need to build that library of printed books. He was also a woodworker and a carpenter. So there are books in there that cover carpentry and books that cover woodworking. And so there's all kinds of things that we need to have access to the knowledge. And in the case of a CME or an EMP, it could take out our tablets and our computers and We may not have that information down the road. Speaking of information, build a binder of that information. We need to do this whether we plan to bug out or not. We need some instruction sheets on how to do certain things. We need possibly the instructions on some pieces of gear that we may have acquired. We may need information sheets. And those information sheets could be things as simple as The formulas for purification of water. How many drops? And and I have to look this up because I don't keep all of this in my head all the time. How many drops of chlorine bleach does it take per gallon? I think it's eight, but I'm not totally sure about that. So I would look it up if I were having to do that. Here's a good one, especially for you ladies. Keep some recipes. Some of your recipes, especially things that your family is accustomed to eating, I know there's some things that Krista makes that if we were no longer able to have that, 
that would be something I would really miss. I mean, she's got several good recipes that I just absolutely love. Now, I do enjoy pretty much everything she cooks, but having those recipes could really make a difference. In that binder, you also need some topo maps, some topographical maps, and those will show some resource locations. Looking at the topographical map of the area in which we live in, We've identified the river. We've identified a couple of small streams and a pretty decent creek. So we have alternative water supply or supplies for resourcing water within probably three-eighths of a mile of our house. And then there's a few others that can be backups to that. So build a binder of information and make that plan because you need a plan. Plan B, in case you choose to, or you'll be forced to bug out with no place to go, planning to live in the woods, planning to live in a cave, planning to live wherever you can find or build a shelter. And this comes about only when you have absolutely nowhere to go. And living under the bridge is not an option because of the number of people around yourself in this situation, then go to a hiking outfitter and be fitted for a backpack. Being fitted for that backpack, rather than just getting one off the rack, will make it so much more comfortable. It'll cause you less back pain, less hip pain, and actually, if it's properly fitted, you'll be able to carry more weight. Now, I'm not talking about you can carry 100 pounds. Most of us couldn't do that. There are some guys out there, and we've got some listeners that could, but that will allow you to carry more weight further, more comfortably. While you're there, get you some hiking boots and then break those in properly. We have an episode somewhere back down the road where we discussed breaking in shoes and boots and how to break them in properly and some hiking socks. Now, the socks in your drawer that you wear to work or school every day or those little ones you wear around the house, those are not appropriate for hiking. Get real hiking socks and get some backup pair as well. Now, if you're going to be forced to bug out with no place to go, there are some items that simply must be in any bag on which you will stake your life. Let me say that again. There's some items that simply must be in a bag on which you will stake your life. You may be able to leave home in a car, truck, with a trailer, something like that, but that may have to be abandoned at some point in time. And if you have to abandon that bug out vehicle, whatever vehicle you're driving, you're going to need to have certain equipment. And the plan is to hit the woods. You're going to need a little bit more equipment, or even if you are planning to use this for getting home. Now, these are in no particular order. If you are planning or find yourself needing to bug out to the woods or trying to get home on foot, you will need at least these basic items. There are more that you will need, but these are the very minimum that you will need if you need to be in the woods for three or four days trying to get home. 
One is a substantial fixed blade knife. Now, by this, we don't mean length or mass. What we do mean is sturdy, full-tang fixed blade knife. Now, I have two Jim Curtis knives. One is only about a three and a half inch blade, and the other one's about a four and a half inch blade. And they're both very, very substantial, meaning that they are sturdy, they are full-tang, and they're fixed blades. Check your local laws. Your local laws may prevent you from carrying such a knife regularly, but you need to have it in your preps. Now, this might be something that you put in that hideaway kit somewhere in your car, just in case you have to try to get home. If you're going to be in the woods for a few days, you're going to need either a hatchet or a machete. You need something strong and sturdy and not the cheapy machetes. You need something that you could be able to cut some wood to make a shelter, cut some saplings, some small trees, and build that shelter. Something that you could chop up some firewood. And you just need something that you can do some chopping with. Now, a personal water filter is a must-have in your bag. Sure, there are other ways and maybe better ways to purify water, but while you're on the move, a personal water filter comes in handy. We have both the Life Straw and the Sawyer Mini. We actually prefer the Sawyer Mini. One, they seem to be a little easier to draw, and they, which by that I mean to pull water through to drink. You can attach it to a water bottle and squeeze water through it, and it also filters much, much more water than does the Life Straw. Whichever one you have, whichever one you like, you need to have a personal water filter. You're also going to need some ways to start fire. That's a must-have. Now, I like lighters and commercial tinder. Now, I can find tinder in the woods. Even if it's raining, I can find some tinder. It's not as easy, but I carry tinder in our bags, commercial tinder. We also have some that we have made with cotton balls and petroleum jelly. And if you're building those with cotton balls and petroleum jelly, let me give you this tip. Use a lot more petroleum jelly than you think is necessary. The first time we built them, we put what we thought was necessary and it turned out not to be enough. So we went back and we pretty much doubled what we used and they worked pretty well. But I still like the commercial tender. They're easy and they're quick. Something like wet fire and there's a lot of others. Blackbeard is a very good one, and I would carry a ferro rod as a backup. Now, if you carry matches, make sure they're in some type sealed, waterproof container so that they stay dry. But have that ferro rod as a backup, and not the $5 box store version that now costs $7. Get one that's longer and thicker, not one that's attached to that magnesium bar. Now, when I buy those... I'm buying it for the magnesium. I'm not buying it for the ferro rod. I'm buying it for the magnesium so that I can grind it up and put it in an old medicine bottle. And if I need magnesium to start my fire, I can pour out about a teaspoon or a tablespoon or whatever I think I need at that particular point in time. And then I throw that little ferro rod away. I mean, I've never found a good use for those. They're extremely difficult to use. Get a larger diameter and longer ferro rod, and you'll be happier in the long run with that. 
Now, you need some first aid supplies. This is a must, and we're talking about here more than the $20 ready-made kits that you can get at the big box store or even the drugstore. You're going to need something that's got some gauze and some bandages in it. You may want to have a tourniquet in there. I would certainly carry some elastic bandages if you're trying to get home and you turn an ankle. You're going to need to be able to wrap that thing up. You probably want to have some type of clotting agent in there. It can be the gauze that's permeated with the quick clot or any other name brand, but it's in the gauze already. And as you wrap the wound, it will help clot the blood. But you're also going to need some antibiotic cream or ointment with you. That's something that you're absolutely going to need because wounds get infected. Infection can actually lead to death if it's not treated so antibiotic cream on those wounds as soon as that blood stops flowing when you clean it and dress it put some antibiotic cream or ointment on there otc medications over-the-counter medications there are two that i don't go anywhere without this is just my two never leave home without them one is imodium that's an anti-diarrheal medication, and it works when you need it. So have some Imodium and have some pain relief. Your favorite pain relief, whether it's acetaminophen, ibuprofen, whether it's naproxen sodium, which is Aleve, or any combination thereof, have some OTC medications. Now the Imodium we might wind up with a problem from some water that we drank or from any other number of reasons we could have that and that Imodium comes in very, very handy. And if you're having to hoof it on foot, especially in the woods, and you're trying to get home for three or four days, you're going to need some pain relief. There's going to be some muscles hurting at the end of the day. And it's going to be muscles that may not have hurt yesterday, but they're definitely hurting today. And that pain relief is going to come in very, very handy. Put some cordage in there. You're going to need cordage. Paracord. That stuff is just too versatile and too cheap not to carry. With it, you can do all kinds of things. You can tie things to your pack. You can replace shoelaces with it. You can pull the inside strands out and use it for fishing line. You can stretch it between two trees and throw a tarp over it and make an A-frame shelter. There's just too many uses for paracord not to carry it. Now that brings up the idea of carrying a tarp or a bivy or emergency blankets. You can make a shelter out of a tarp. You can make it out of emergency blankets. You must be able to maintain your body heat. Now, a fire will keep you warm while it's burning, but what if it goes out while you're sleeping? You know, I remember we used to do a lot of canoe camping, and we didn't carry a lot of gear with us, and we would camp literally on the side of the creek bank or river bank, and we'd build a fire at night, and we'd go to sleep, and that fire was keeping us warm, and we'd wake up, and it was cold because that fire had gone out. Besides, a fire might not be the safest thing to have if you're trying to stay hidden. So you may want those emergency blankets. And you can even wrap up in those things and almost make a sleeping bag out of it. You're going to want to carry a compass and map. 
Now, we mentioned the topo map a while ago, but it's also a good idea to have a road map in your bag. Have that there so you can see, you know, you may be going through an area that you're not intimately familiar with, and you may say, hey, I can save myself a half a day walk if I take this road versus this road. So have that road map. Have a compass, an old-fashioned compass. Don't depend on that one that's on your telephone, because in an EMP or a CME, we might not have that telephone, and even the local apps won't work if it won't power up. In your bag, you need to have food for several days. Now, we're not necessarily talking about taking enough to keep you from getting hungry, but we are talking about enough to sustain you for several days. And beyond that, you'll have to source food on the way. You can do that if you can identify edible plants. That's a good thing. Another thing is to have a 22 caliber to source food, a 22 caliber rifle. Uh, Henry makes a great little AR-7 survival rifle, and it started out as a rifle that was designed for military pilots for their survival kit. You can even use a long-barreled handgun. I have a 6-inch twenty-two caliber handgun that I could easily take game with that small game, rabbit, squirrel, and be able to eat along the way. And that twenty-two rifle, you can carry plenty of ammo. I mean, 100 rounds doesn't weigh but a few ounces for that matter. It's not like carrying 100 rounds of forty-five or forty caliber or even 9 millimeter. So think about a way to source food and see if a twenty-two caliber fits into that, if you're allowed to have that, that is. How about snare wire? Now, I don't know as much as I need to know about snares. I need to do some practice with that. I need to set some up. And I just need to learn more about that. But carrying some snare wire is a very, very good thing to do. Also carrying a small fishing kit. You can put this in an Altoids box for that matter. A little mint box. The little metal ones that are about, what, four inches long? Put you 25, 35 feet of fishing line in there. Put a few hooks in there. You might put a small lure in there or two and put some lead weights in there, some type of sinkers. And you could even put a small uh, bobber or cork or flotation device, you know, the one that you can watch it and when the fish bites, it goes under the water. And you don't want a real big one because you may be fishing for small fish in a creek. But that fishing kit could be a very good way to source food on the way. Now, our last thing here, let's talk a little bit about security. Now, I know not everybody needs to be carrying a firearm. I know not everybody wants to be carrying a firearm, but it is a very good means of personal security. And I like carrying a handgun. I carry a handgun every day, not just for work. You know, if you're new to the program, I'm a deputy sheriff. I'm a full-time deputy sheriff in the county in which we live And not only do I carry one when I'm on duty, that's logical, but I carry one at all times when I'm off duty, and that is to provide security for us just in case. Now, a long gun, I used to keep a shotgun in my pickup truck. It was a great big old four-wheel drive pickup. And I kept a, well, back then I had one in the gun rack. You know, everybody had a gun rack in the back of the pickup and I had my gun across there so much so that that particular 
shotgun is brown on one side and blonde on the other where the sun bleached it out over the years. Carrying that same shotgun behind the seat. But it was there if I had to have it. And it, it was just a good way to provide security or food. Now, some of you might want to carry a rifle. And your preference may be the AR platform, and it's a good platform. I carry one every day at work, and we have some others for shooting. And they can provide protection if we need to, but it's not the only platform that is good for personal defense. I even like a lever-action rifle. My ideal lever-action rifle is a three fifty seven lever-action Henry. And I just love that gun. And I also have 3030 in lever action. Both are very good rounds, but the 357 does not have a lot of recoil. It's a good gun for those that are recoil averse. It's good for kids. It's a big enough gun to kill a deer. And it's not a long range gun by any means, but out 50, 75 yards, 357 lever action rifle, that'll put a deer on the ground. You might also want to carry some type of hunting rifle, bolt action, semi-automatic, whatever you like. Those are good to have and can be used for security as well. And of course, the shotgun. Shotgun is probably the all-around most versatile weapon ever created, but it does have a limited distance. If you're looking at hunting deer, you can get out 75 yards or so, fairly reliable with slugs, and that Distance decreases if you're looking at buckshot, but you've also got the option of carrying birdshot, shooting rabbits, shooting turkey, shooting squirrels. So it's a very, very versatile platform, and I would encourage you to look into it if you're interested in that type thing. One thing we do recommend if you're looking at carrying firearms, look at your local laws, We don't want to be getting in trouble over this before the Schumer hits the fan. So if you can't be carrying one in your truck or car, don't. We don't want to be going to jail while the law is still in place. Now, if you do decide to carry a firearm or to get a firearm, we definitely suggest that you go and get some training. And the concealed carry classes are not training. Those are familiarization Spend a little bit of money, buy a few hours with a reputable instructor, and get some training on that firearm. And by the way, just going to the range and standing there and shooting at paper targets, that's practice. That's not training. Look into getting a good trainer and maybe take a full day class, but learn what you're doing with that and always be safe. We sure do appreciate you being here with us today. We appreciate Jim Curtis Knives for sponsoring the program. We appreciate ProLine Design Group for sponsoring the program. And we couldn't do it without these guys. So we certainly appreciate them. And if you get an opportunity to go and look at their sites, they will be linked in the show notes. And if you can do business with them, please do. And we will see you next time. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.